0: This is Inside the Wolf's Den, an entrepreneurial journey with Sean and Joni Wolfswinkle.
1: Welcome back to Inside the Wolf's Den with your hosts Sean and Joni Wolfswinkle. Today we have a special guest with us, Mr. Dave Lundgren. How are you, Dave?
2: Doing well. How are you doing, Joni? Really
1: well. Thanks for being on the show today. So, just a quick bio on Dave. So. For over 25 years, Dave has served as a business and sales consultant in some of the largest educational, training, coaching, and personal development world, working directly with or for people like Tony Robbins, Dean Graziosi, Mark Victor Hansen, Forbes Riley, Anthony Morrison, and many others. Dave has a master's degree in marriage and family therapy and also served as a chaplain in the U.S. Army. While this diverse background and working with thousands of people to help them in their personal and professional lives gave Dave practical experience and plenty of theory on how to create happiness and fulfillment for others. It wasn't until he went through his own dark night of the soul that he was able to find the answer that had been hiding in plain sight. He never intended to write a book or suggest an answer for anyone else, but once he was able to create the inner peace, joy, and fulfillment that even people at the highest level of success seemed to be missing, Dave felt compelled to share what he saw as a simple but profound Foundational truth in which both science and spiritually are aligned. Dave, again, thanks again for joining us today. And can't wait for you to kind of share your story and really get into and dive deeper into this inner peace, joy, and fulfillment. But first, why don't you give us a little background? How did this all get started? Um, and how did you get started in the personal development space?
2: Yeah, great. I listen to that bio, I'm like, man, that dude must be old, but I can't, <laughs> that, that can't be me. <laughs> I still feel young even though I'm 52. Um, But I appreciate that. Um, Great question. I mean, I really came into this space, if you will, about 22 years ago. 20 years or uh, in 2000, I uh, was leaving the Army. I was a chaplain in the Army at the time. And coming out of that world and really came into what we'd call the high ticket coaching or the real estate education space. And so started there and worked my way through that. I enjoyed a lot of that. And some of the folks you would mentioned, I worked with a lot of folks in the real estate education space and then working with Tony Robbins. Um, which is very fulfilling, very satisfying. I had a certain uh, level of success in those areas. But as you mentioned, really found myself about four and a half years ago uh, going through what I would call my dark night of the soul. Despite all this outward success, I found myself sitting on the beach in Hawaii with my wife at the time, uh, completely (laughs) ghosted, like literally she uh, left the island, left the marriage, and I was sitting there going, what in the hell? In fact, I got that's where this book came from. And I found myself sitting there on the beach going, okay, how in the world does a guy who's been through divorce before, has a master's degree in marriage and family therapy, working with Torian Roberts, all this coaching, all this theory, and have helped hundreds of other folks um, with their marriages and their businesses, how do I find myself sitting here going through this, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at the time, 48 years old, and that question Uh, led me to an answer for myself. And as you mentioned, I never was looking to write a book, heaven forbid. I was not looking to do anything other than solve issues for myself. And what I found is that most psychology and religion and self-help and personal development are great and amazing. But Mm -hmm. the great majority of time, they're really dealing with uh, symptoms, I would say. And they're not really going, what I would say, go all the way upstream to the core foundational root cause of a lot of issues. And uh, that's what I found in my studies. And once I found that, I'm like, you know, there's a lot of hurting people in the world. And the more I shared about my story, I felt compelled to, you know, write a book and do more uh, coaching related to that uh, specifically. That's the quick answer.
3: So, I mean, it's, and you're you're being modest because you not only helped a lot of people, but Mm -hmm. you also have had a successful real estate. right career and journey. And I think, uh, you know, it, it you, you've had amazing run. And so I, I appreciate you being vulnerable mm-hmm. and sharing, you know, how you even got to where you, who you are today, but, uh, just on this journey. And, and I guess when you were there at the beach, say somebody else is going through that same life journey or at that phase, and maybe outwardly they have a lot of success, a lot of, um, positive things, but inside or their marriage or internally, they're just, you know, dealing with with broken, demons and, yeah. and broken and mm-hmm. a broken marriage how how do you even start i think sometimes you, sometimes like yeah we see the symptoms or we see what's what's happening but how, we don't even know how to go back
1: and or even to recognize you know, it before it's too late some of us even don't yeah. even realize yeah. it until they walk off the beach <laughs> and you figure like oh crap <laughs> what happened right
3: yeah so, for so sure how, so where do you start like how do you how do you start sensing some of those, like Joni mentioned, the see, trying to see the the writing on the wall, but then also, how do you what, what's a path to even start um, healing or
2: uh, yeah. working on it? Great question. And, you know, Joni's 100% right. And my experience, this is a very broad, overgeneralized statement, but the great majority of time, and I'm working with a lot of entrepreneurs, and typically, um, they say your best client is you four or five years ago. So typically, if a, a male, hard-charging entrepreneurs coming to me, a lot of times they're like, I was like, what the hell just happened? I didn't see this coming. Mm-hmm. But in their in their gut, they really did. And so a lot of times that happens to be the case where a lot of times um, in a marriage, a lot of times the woman feels these things and things are bubbling up and there are symptoms that they're aware of just because of their divine feminine nature. Um, so I would say that's, that's an overall general statement. But... Um, The two things I did that anybody has to do is, number one, you have to be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. All change starts with honesty and truly being honest with yourself. And unfortunately, as you guys are mentioned, most folks wait to the point of crisis to do something about it. But you don't Mm -hmm. have to do that. You know, great people. And, you know, Sean, you and I had a great lunch the other week. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about even, you know, challenges in business and marriage. You know, um, you guys, from a place of dealing with some business challenges, went from good to great by, diving in, not because there's an explosive issue like, you know, being left on the beach in Hawaii, but just life challenges. So right. clients that come to me, they're in a good spot. And here's what I would also say. There's there's all these different aspects of our life. There's your body, there's your spirituality, there's your, your relationships, and then there's money. A lot of times I see folks that will come to me and one of those areas is thriving and two areas are broke. So maybe their body's in great shape, but their marriage is falling apart, or they have a lot of money, but they're not at peace, mm-hmm. you know, not deep. So those are some of the symptoms. And I would just say, um, it's number one, recognizing that, being honest with yourself, which I finally did, like truly honest with myself. It's not like I hadn't raised my hand and hadn't been in counseling, hadn't done work, but truly like, okay, what's really going on here? So I surrendered and I, I sought help. I sought a guide who's gonna help me go deeper than just the surface level behavioral stuff. And right. so um, that's really what I did, and so the symptoms, to answer your question, Sean, again, you'd look at any outward thing in life, and it's ironic because in this world where there's more opportunity economically, spiritually, health-wise, there's more information and access to get us where we want to be, and yet more people are dealing with mental health issues. There's more economic crisis than ever before, and so whether it's depression, anxiety, um, anger, you know, uh, addiction of any kind of form— I would even say poverty is a symptom of, mm-hmm. you know, some of the things. So all these are symptoms you see and all change starts on the inside and moves outward. So everything you see outward, whether it be overweight or there's tension inside the marriage or, you know, your business is failing, all those start from an inside place. And so the symptoms are going to show up on the outside typically and it's rare um that somebody is willing to say, you know, hey, there's really something going on deeper and then Psychology and and therapy, uh, we talk a lot about the presenting problem is never the real problem. So, when a couple shows up to therapy or an individual walks in the door, they're going to say, Hey, I'm anxious. Or, Hey, you know, I have a lot Mm -hmm. of business clients that come to me for business consulting. Hey, my business is falling apart. A lot of times we can fix that. All right. I ran a business mastery for Tony Robbins. So, I'm very good at the business side of that as well. And I enjoy that. But inevitably, it comes down to them as a leader, and there's other stuff going on, and they're self-sabot, they're doing some self-sabotage stuff, mm-hmm. because of some conscious stuff, that maybe goes back into their past. So, the symptoms start on the outside, but there's always something deeper, uh, that is always the core issue. Has been my experience and observation. Yeah, and um, does, it,
3: in your, you kind of just hit on it already, but in your professional opinion,
2: can it can
3: Like, I think most people go to a therapist or go to a, it might be a religious person, you know, like a priest or something like that to get help. For some of these issues, do you think they're just going to, they're never going to get to the core? They're just going to be treating the, do you need somebody that focuses on really going back or can they find that with the right therapist or pastor or priest? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, great question, you know, and, and with my background, you know, obviously um, being raised religious and being a chaplain, um, I'm not anti-religion these days, but I'm I'm much more pro-spirituality, and, you know, I titled this book, or the, the subtitle, Where Science and Spirituality Converge into Truth, because I really wanted to say, okay, if there really is truth, if we really are going all the way upstream to some foundational things, both sides of the aisle, politically, spiritually, science, they should be speaking to that, and so to answer your question, Sean, it's My experience, again, is that um, symptom relief is typically what's happening out there, right? So Mm -hmm. if somebody has anxiety, we'll give them a Valium. Well, that's easy. That's an easy symptom relief because you can take a pill and in 20 minutes you feel different. Mm -hmm. Whereas, say, for example, meditation, well, that's harder to sell because that takes some discipline. Right. But from a long-term perspective, learning how to study yourself and get centered, what I would say, spiritually is going to relieve anxiety for 99% of people a lot better than taking a pill, but it's so much easier. Hey, take a pill. So most, and this is my background and this is my bias. I mean, my master's degree in family therapy taught me how to be very good at being inside of a system and watching a family. Okay. Dad does this, that mom does this, this would happen. And it's very behavioral focused and I got very good at, at at communication style Mm -hmm. and making sure things inside the room were fixed. And that's great because that alleviated the immediate symptom. But to your point, the true long-term change has to start with something much deeper than that. And so short-term, absolutely, There again, psychology, religions, um, most personal development is great and amazing at that kind of stuff. But if you really want to solve the issues long-term, my experience is you've got to go deeper. So I'll give you Mm -hmm. one quick example. You know, Tony Robbins teaches um, three things you can change very quickly, your state, um, your focus, and Mm -hmm. your meaning. So, at any moment, you could be pissed off. You could, something's going on. But if you physically change your state, like stand up, take a deep breath, smile versus hunching over it, like that stuff literally changes your physiology. Mm -hmm. Um, Your focus. What am I focused on, right? At this very moment. um, And then your meaning. Okay. This thing that just happened to me, whatever it is, good or bad, what is the meaning behind that? Those are three simple things anybody can do in literally two minutes shift things, and they're great and they're powerful. But you can only do that so much, and put the fires out until at some point you go again all the way upstream. And mm-hmm. so the long answer is, um, and again my bias was this: being in the room, taking care of the behavior, and that works, and until it doesn't. And um, most people, you know, I think it's the stats are like 66% of people in psychology or self-help, whatever, they're going back over and over. And there's this, um, I don't want to say regression. Uh, but the studies show it really most of the time doesn't help long-term. And so as I studied these things, um, and again, looking at science and spirituality, as you and I talked about the other week, Sean, I yeah. wanted to come from—and when I when I talk to people, I present—I wanted to look from both sides of the aisle. So if something is true, like true with a capital T, um, it should be true whether you're religious or you're an atheist. So mm. look at it from an atheist standpoint. Let's assume somebody is an atheist doesn't necessarily believe in God. Um, it should be true of them just like on the far right religious. So one foundational principle, and I really found there's only three laws I would suggest that are out there. And when I say law, something that's true no matter what, it's mm-hmm. foundational in all places and all times. One of those is the concept of oneness. So again, let's go over here. Let's assume you're an atheist. You don't even believe in God, but the concept of oneness is something that's quantum physics is very clear about. So from a scientific standpoint, you look at everything, and it's energy, right? You break an atom down into quarks, and eventually everything is, ener- is energy. It's his fluctuations mm-hmm. of energy. So somebody who believes hardcore in science and maybe doesn't believe in God per se, they understand and can logically—their left brain and their scientific atheist mind can get around the fact, okay, everything is energy. That That's just what quantum physics is teaching us. Well, somebody who's religious, if you really look at the teachings of Jesus and Buddha and everything, they teach about oneness. You know, Jesus, the great intercessory prayer in John 17— Let everybody be one like you and I, Father, are one. So every spiritual master is also taught this concept of oneness. We all came from some place, same oneness place on the spiritual level. So oneness is one of these foundational laws that exists in all time and all space. And the only other one is really uh, this concept of perfect love. So, again, maybe let's start on the far right. A religious person, and there's so many different religions, and a lot of times, I mean, millions of people have died— under the banner of heaven and name of God, different religions killing each other and fighting. But every religious person and every religion at least has one characteristic of God as perfect love. So there's this idea of perfect love that all religions embrace as a characteristic of God. Well, again, let's look on the far left and maybe somebody who's an atheist, every atheist I know, we were talking about a sibling of mine, um, she's an atheist and she understands the concept of perfect love, mm. right? And from an energetic standpoint, the highest frequency and the highest emotion we can all feel is this idea of perfect love, agape-type love. And so those are the two concepts. I'm like, all right, there's agreements and these things are laws, because if you really roll all the way uphill, the core foundational challenge that most of us have resides in the fact that we lose sight of both this love and oneness, Mm -hmm. and we don't think we're enough, we don't feel like we're enough, and something had happened early on to make that disconnection And going back and solving that root challenge um, really is what solves things. And I was against that for years. I didn't, again, I poo-pooed, oh, you don't have to go talk about your past. It doesn't really matter. Um, But once I realized the power of your subconscious mind, which is really controlling stuff 95% of the time, and your conscious mind is only dealing with 5%, there's so many things that we do that are just habitual because your subconscious mind is running the show And that subconscious mind from the ages of zero to eight is really what's trained. And so things that happen to you early on, it doesn't have to be a massive traumatic childhood experience. You didn't have to get, you know, raped by your priest to have issues from your childhood from just not feeling enough. Maybe you got made fun of on the playground and it just happened at a certain moment in your time that you're like, Oh, I feel different or something happened early on. So it's, it's these experiences that sink into our subconscious. If we don't heal them or become aware of them, um, that for a lot of folks, you know, become an issue. And it's, it's across the board. I was telling uh, in my book, and I, I speak about it, I, working for Tony Robbins, you know, he does these massive live events, and they're mm-hmm. amazing. And I was able to be down front in VIP, and Tony has these assignments where he pairs people up, and I was paired up with a famous musician. Uh, very good-looking, wealthy, famous musician that everybody would know. And Tony's assignment was, talk about your core fear. And I don't know if this guy just felt comfortable because he heard I was a chaplain or whatever, but he opened up and this famous, handsome, wealthy musician, his core fear is exactly the same core fear that most people have. If they're really honest with themselves, which is I don't feel enough. I don't feel worthy. this imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And that is at the core of a lot of challenges that certainly entrepreneurs have. And it certainly was a challenge for me until I really got back and unpacked that, um, there's this surface level striving for more and striving to be good enough. And, uh, you can't always get that from the outside. It's got to be an inside job. And then the outward success is beautiful. There's nothing wrong with outward success and, you know, making money and, and all the other stuff, all that is great. As long as you've got that inner core foundational piece, if you will.
1: Mm -hmm. Awesome. Now that you're kind of getting into your book, um, let's talk a little bit more about it and answer is what it's called. Correct.
2: Yes. And, uh, Pretty audacious title, so I actually crossed out the to put and just to you know, it's a suggestion. You, I you, I'm saying it's an answer, but I'm open to people telling me <laughs> uh, that's the dumbest thing ever.
1: No, it's awesome. Can you share the journey behind writing this book?
2: Yeah, so I had that why experience and uh again wanted nothing to do with anything to do with talking about it. Um and I um had been attending a non denominational church for years, but I really had become a little bit of a social hermit uh, post the Hawaii experience and hadn't really been to church in several months. But I was doing a lot of study, a lot of reading, just a lot of soul-searching, and I was working with um, somebody who, I mean, he wouldn't call himself a therapist or a counselor, but he was he was helping me do my deep spiritual work, and I was unpacking some stuff that happened to me early on. Um, I had a near-death experience as a child, and the interpretation of that um Led me to not feel worthy, right? So this feeling of oh, I'm not worthy enough. Mm-hmm. Well, I had this experience that was amazing, but the expectation that was put on me, I was like, oh, I can never live up to that. So I had this feeling of oh, I can. So he helped me unpack that and be like, dude, you're good, you're worthy. There's divinity inside of you. Um, so as I went back to this non-denominational church, um, actually, the night before, um, I'd had a ma- a, a very vivid dream. So if you've ever seen Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm beginning scene where he's walking through the graveyard and stuff i had a dream that i was literally walking through the graveyard and it was me and it was like kind of the graveyard of my past mistakes and just things i'd been through and it was just one of those dreams you wake up and i was literally like i had goosebumps and i was like still kind of sweating and so i was kind of in that state as i um and thinking about that dream because it was so vivid and i walked into the church and this is one of these kind of lay churches where you walk in with your flip-flops and they have this big screen with Music and, and bands, and uh, and the movie that was playing was the opening scene to Saving Private Ryan. Yeah.
1: Whoa, <laughs> so I, I'm like, Whoa. all
2: right, And I get goosebumps <laughs> as I think about it, and I just started crying. I'm like, okay, I get it, all right, there's a synchronicity there. <laughs> wow, God's, and uh, basically, I just literally just heard God saying, all right, um, you know, you didn't, I didn't bring you this far just to bring mm-hmm. you this far, let's go do something. And I walked, I walked out, I didn't even go to church, I was just like, okay, that's cool, and I. I sat down and started to outline the book because in my mind, that was one way. I'm like, okay, let me just compile this and let me start to make sense of how I can help other people. And so that was really the beginning of the book and stepping into more of that type of coaching versus just business coaching. That's,
1: so I, powerful. Thanks yeah, for sharing that. Yeah.
2: And, and
3: I love the the premise behind it all. And, and uh, you know, it's something that for me personally, I've, I've worked on for a couple of years because I know I had to go back to what what was driving me for so many years and it was that feeling of i'm not enough i'm inadequate and that's mm-hmm. and it's it's a it's a battle because that's we talked about this at lunch it's you know it's what drove me for so many years to get to where i am so mm-hmm. it was my fuel it was my chip on my shoulder that some people call you know and so yeah. it's uh it gets you to a point but then you're like okay now you, you got to address it you know because you can't keep doing this forever um yeah. and so yeah but that's very yeah. that's
2: very common Sean as you yeah. and I were talking about that whole that absolutely every high level business professional every high achiever mm-hmm. that I know personally or read about be it Oprah Winfrey Dean Graziosi Tony Robbins they had some of that early on stuff but it's like you said what's driven you to that point that achievement Um, And that'll, you know, I think maybe a biblical analogy, you know, it'll get you out of Egypt, but it won't take you to the promised land so that Mm -hmm. I got to do something for myself will get you out of Egypt. But what takes you to the promised land is then, okay. there's only so much achievement on the outside. Now, how can I have that outer achievement and at the same time have inner peace and joy? Because you can do both. uh, But that's very common to have that. Got to, you can't teach somebody hunger. Somebody's got mm-hmm. to have some hunger and something that's driving them. Uh, so that's not a bad way to get started. You just don't want to finish there, right? Correct.
3: Yeah, and it, that's the way it was. And it and it, it went back to my childhood from being, you know, I wore glasses like in thick glasses. So it wasn't I wasn't these are just you know like the ones that people would make fun of that could burn a, an ant with your glasses, kind of um, you know since first grade. So I was uh, you know just bullied, and and I think that's what. It would cause a lot of it and so anyways but yeah and then I'm not 100% there yet yeah. but, it, but it,
1: I think you're I mean like you said it's, I mean all, all <laughs> high achievers right they they go through this and trying to find that inner peace that's, that's the challenging part
3: Yeah. can you talk a little bit more about I guess the process of you mentioned some of it and you've like you got to go back to that childhood mm-hmm. or the the, the the hole that's driving that but how do you how do you gain that inner peace and joy and fulfillment? Like how do you really fill it? How do you fill that bucket?
2: Like that's... Yeah. Great question. Um, and so I would say it starts with number one, acknowledging, being honest. Number two, insight. Okay, now I'm aware, okay, like my subconscious mind, okay, that makes sense to mm-hmm. me. I can I can understand that the subconscious mind, you know, you got sixty thousand thoughts a day, and if my subconscious mind is the one driving most of those thoughts. And, you know, we talk about a lot of people talk about mindset, 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 but there's something much deeper than mindset. So instead of trying to control 60,000 thoughts a day, um, to your point, Sean, how do you get deeper than that? Well, I would I call it soul sets deeper than mindset. So you got to go upstream from that. And the first step is your subconscious mind. There's only four ways to train your subconscious mind. Uh, One is a traumatic event, good or bad. Right. Mm -hmm. Everybody remembers the birth of their child or the wedding. That's a beautiful thing that etches in your memory. But a lot of people remember trauma. You remember whoever was making fun of you about your glasses. Mm-hmm. I remember being teased or being short and redhead. Um, so a traumatic event is number one. That's mm-hmm. one way. Can't really control that. That's just life happening. A mm-hmm. uh, second way is repetition. Just over and over and over. Re- re- repetitive things mm-hmm. will train your subconscious mind. Um, and then there's new modalities. And this is a lot of what I do now. There's ways. You don't have to sit on a couch for seven years and go back and talk about your childhood. Um. There's modalities now, whether it's hypnosis or psych K, there's different modalities now, literally in an hour, you can quiet your conscious mind and get to your subconscious and help people unpack that stuff. So that's a lot of what I do now. Um, once we've identified, OK, I've got this money issue, um, like uh, at a, uh, I was telling Sean, I had a conversation with um, somebody very close to me who has a subconscious challenge with money on the one hand. He literally said, everybody who has more than a million dollars in net worth or cash and doesn't give 100% of that money away is a bad person, like evil. He went on this big rant about they're bad, evil people. I'm like, okay, they De- debated that for a little bit. But on the other side, I'm like, well, do you feel like you're a good person? Well, yes, I'm a good person. Okay, now he's got a, a script in his mind where wealthy people are bad, and I'm a good person. <laughs> he cannot he, – he won't become wealthy because he will always self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. He'll take three steps forward – four steps back. Right. So those are the kind of things once you identify, okay, there's that belief. Now let's go back and let's figure out where that came from. There was something that happened early on where he saw somebody wealthy or something happened and he's like, wealthy people are bad. So you got to go back and identify that and unpack it. And then you just got to heal it. You got to write in new scripts, sync some new stuff in there. And then from there, a lot of the techniques and strategies and psychology and self help her- work because you got to, You've got to keep maintenance up on those things, right? This feeling of, okay, I feel worthy, but there are moments we all have horrible moments, right? Everybody on the planet, even high achievers who have inner peace. Um, So that's it. you got to go back and train that subconscious. But I would say it's going really from head to heart. And I have this picture in my book of everybody's familiar with the the analogy of an iceberg, right, in the brain. 5% of the brain is above the water. 95% is subconscious. But I would suggest you, the brain, you know, the mind is sitting in something even deeper than that. Um, At the soul level, it's this whole ocean. And so you, you mentally get there. You can walk through these things. But at the end of the day, you've got to do some kind of spiritual and emotional healing to go back to that core injury and unpack it, get rid of it, and then replace it with what is true. And the truth is we all are one. We all belong. There's this divine source of love that's inside of all of us and sometimes corrupt religions and corrupt governments and the world teaches you, no, you're not. It's coming back to that truth that you actually are and feeling that and um, centering in that. And there's a lot of different, you know, a lot of different techniques on how to do that. But that's really the core of it. And then maintaining that, doing your daily rituals, um, you know, on your subconscious. And I mentioned this in the, the speech I did the other week that Sean was at. Um your subconscious mind, like from ages zero to eight, your brain is what's called theta state. So you're just in this receptive state. And so when things happen to kids, they just they sink into their subconscious immediately. Well, your morning, in the morning from like first 20, 30 minutes you wake up and the last 20, 30 minutes as you're dozing off, your brain goes naturally in that theta state. Well, those are great moments. Those are sacred moments when you can sinks things in there right whether you're listening to affirmations you're reading something or you're but those are moments in time instead of just immediately picking up your phone like most people do and just getting into negative frame of mind you can utilize those moments when your brain is open in theta state and you can dump information in there that's one quick way that's free anybody can do it and start to retrain your subconscious mind um, that's one example certainly meditation i was raised fundamentalist kind of christian meditation to me was witchcraft i didn't even understand it four or five years ago and now now that i understand even jesus was very clear about i got to get away from the crowd and go be with my father as he called it i got to have some alone time with god doing things like that where you can get yourself into that theta to say it again your mind is open you're centered you're in your heart and uh, even as a business owner especially i mean uh, a ceo's job one of the main ceo's job is to get inspiration you mm-hmm. want inspiration tap into that Mm -hmm. get some quiet time alone to think as a ceo or a parent um or a spouse and getting that what i call centeredness um that's one of the biggest things you can do and so meditation to me is absolutely i'm addicted to it and it's a a big part of you know uh, my walk spiritually and then you know again good music good word being around people that aren't negative all those things because from a repetition standpoint you think about it the average person You say you have sixty thousand thoughts, but the average person, eighty-five to ninety percent of those thoughts are repetitive, and eighty-five to ninety percent of them are negative. So, if you don't do anything and you just let social media, the news, or negative Mm -hmm. people—if you just sit there—eighty-five to ninety percent of the time, you're going to be inundated with repetitive negativity. You've got to do something to get yourself outside of that norm because that's what the norm is.
1: So true. Is
3: there is there a time frame? for that process is, there, is everybody unique in or is there an average to, for that to 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 unpack it and heal it and then you know retrain the script or rewrite the narrative, narrative. What, what is there's there a average time frame does that exist
2: mm-hmm. yeah it's a great question um I would say no there's probably not an average <laughs> um, but I would say the moment the moment somebody decides, right, if somebody has a problem with alcohol, the moment they decide I'm never taking a drink again, that is a moment. Now, it may take years to lead up to that, and they've got a lot of work to do, whatever they're going to do, AA or therapy. So the moment of change, I would say, is instantaneous once somebody's actually made that change. But you're, with the question behind your question, at least I interpret it, is how long does it lead up to that, and how long does that change? take and you know there's different researches and habits take 21 days some people say 90 days so i would say the moment of impact the moment of like i'm freaking done with this no matter what i'm never going to go mm-hmm. do that again is a moment um some of these new modalities like you know i do hypnotherapy with some people now which again five years ago i thought was witchcraft now <laughs> i'm like oh my gosh it's just getting my my conscious mind to quiet down and getting into that that is yeah. i mean literally an hour i have a lot of testimonials, you can go to my website and look. Um, One gal, she's like, I went to 10 years of therapy, and yet in one hour working with you, I went back and healed some stuff, and in one hour I felt more impact. And I went through that experience myself with this gentleman named Kevin who I worked with. Again, I had outward success. I had a beautiful marriage on Facebook, I, and I, you know, I had a good life. It wasn't like things were horrible, but it was this outward achieving, 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 but inside I still felt this hole inside of me, if you will, right? And there's not enough – Alcohol, great sex, food, outward achievement to fill that God shaped hole. But I remember when I was doing my work, it literally was one session. This gentleman, he didn't do hypnotherapy, but he did kind of a light version of that. And I went back and, you know, felt these feelings of, oh, I never felt worthy because I had this experience and I never fulfilled that. I never felt worthy. But I just remember him helping me unpack that. And I came out of there bawling and I was just like, I felt connected again. And instead of God having this outward kind of, oh, I'm not worthy relationship, all of a sudden I'm like, dude it was like mm-hmm. casual relationship and god became part of i don't know it just it, and so that happened in a moment and so mm-hmm. for me i've done that with a lot of clients and i think a lot of folks can have that experience yeah. in an hour or two and in a moment now again there's still work to be done we all have things mm-hmm. we got to work on so the maintenance of that and the upkeep of that takes time but that things can go from what they seem like black and white to you can see color pretty quickly um mm-hmm. it's been my experience with, uh, with,
1: oh, <clears throat> you, with, I, yeah good
3: uh just sorry <laughs> go ahead in, in the, uh, i just had a follow-up question for like if if and i'm, I'm speaking to me personally maybe that's why i'm <laughs> driving this question uh it's okay do, do you feel like if from your experience of working with all these high achievers and high level can you have that peace and joy and still achieve at such a high level like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, do they, do they, do they yeah. lose some of that? Do you lose some of that drive? Do you lose? And maybe that's the fear of people. So they don't, they don't fix it. Cause they don't want to, I don't know. I, I'm guessing this happens with athletes as well, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, um, yeah. and you probably destroy a lot of other things in the process of going,
2: but I'm just, can you have both? Is that, can you truly have both? Okay. Yeah. It's a great question. Quick answer is yes. Uh, but it's a real fear. And so, the question behind that question is okay. If it was this lack of something, I got teased or whatever, or Michael Jordan, right? I had a dinner with him one time. We pitched him on doing an infomercial. Anyway, he talks about that high school basketball experience. Right? They did. He didn't make it on his whatever sophomore, junior year, whatever. That's stuck inside of him. Mm-hmm. That's what drove him. So you, if if you're gonna replace that, right, mm-hmm. um, with something else, the, Tony Robbins upbringing, he had a horrible upbringing. That. Got him out of Egypt, but what took him to the promised land? Mm-hmm. So the answer to your question is, yes, you can replace it, but you've got to be able to tap into that hunger and that fire, and there's got to be a bigger why. So mm-hmm. whether it's Michael Jordan found a bigger why about being the greatest, whether it's Tony Robbins wanted to feed the world, um, you know, Dean, you know, Sean, you and I talked about some of your stuff or my bigger why now. So there's got to be something bigger than that drives you, mm-hmm. and there's the stick and the carrot, right? People are either motivated by avoiding pain or seeking pleasure. And so if you're done avoiding the pain of like, okay, I'm not good enough and I've got enough money now, you've got to, and which is the great majority of people, 90% of people are driven by avoiding pain. If you're going to be part of the 1%, you've got to have that deeper why, and it's got to be something that makes you cry. If, you're, if your why doesn't make you cry, it's not deep enough. You haven't found it yet. Be it your family, be it your marriage, be it your mission, whatever it is, it's got to be something that brings tears to your eyes, and you got to tap into that. Mm-hmm it's then going to move you forward because you do yeah you've got to find something bigger than you otherwise you know you're just going to be spinning your wheels and i i talk a lot about celebration versus distraction um, cuz it like if somebody's watching you guys as a beautiful couple out to dinner you're having a couple drinks you know we guys see you guys on facebook and you look amazing and having a great time nobody knows what's going on on your your inside right mm-hmm. so you right. guys can have the best amazing beautiful marriage Life's great, And you guys are celebrating, and there's nothing wrong with that. Having a drink, going out on vacations. If that's a celebration of life, that's an outward thing we all observe. But there's something inside of you. You're happy. You're amazing. You love each other. Not that life's perfect, but that's a celebration versus mm-hmm. distraction. Right? right? So the majority of people, unfortunately, again, same couple. You could look at the same couple going out to dinner, and inside, they've been in a marriage 15 years, and it's falling apart, and they don't want to talk, and they're using – you know, going out to dinner and having a glass of wine as a distraction because things aren't good. So none of us can judge what's really going on inside of another person we could observe. But I would say that's the difference between celebration and going to that 1% level and distraction, which is what most people do. And they're Mm -hmm. addicted to something, social media, alcohol, ESPN or shopping shows, (laughs) because they're not filling that Mm -hmm. void versus, yeah, I'm going to go out and have an amazing life and yeah, um, enjoy all these beautiful things in life but it's a celebration because i'm already filled up to here and certainly in a relationship mm-hmm. you know that's absolutely the case i made the mistake for years of looking for somebody else to fill that void in me um and i had my identity and a lot of my ego and identity inside that other person so God kind of was like all right we'll take that out rip that band off now what's your identity and uh, it was difficult, you know, sometimes your worst day becomes your best day, yeah. but I had to reset my identity into something more than just being married. And there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Marriage is great. It's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But I had to reset my identity as something higher. And then I could be a better spouse Then I could be a better parent Then right. I could be a better business owner. Right. All of those things came from a higher identity than just being a business owner or just being married. Um, cause all those things are great and amazing. If, um, your why is uh, is generating that motivation. So that's a yeah. long-winded answer. To yeah, no, question, I it It's a great answer. Thank you.
1: Now, Dave, we have a lot of, uh, you know, long, young entrepreneurs, business owners. Um, and um, if you were just starting out and can go back into your early 20s, what advice would you give yourself?
2: Great question. Um, and I've got three daughters, 27, 25, and 22, and they're beautiful, amazing women. Um, and I... These are some of the conversations um we have. Right. And and I literally I was in a, another event last week and had a conversation. Uh I think he's young. He's thirty-five. He asked me to come to lunch with him last week. And so some of the advice I gave him and some of it is just um life happens to you. When I went through my stuff, uh, one of the mentors I reached out to, a guy who wrote uh, conversations with God, Neil Donald Wall, she just laughed He goes, Oh, guys don't figure it out till they're forty. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, Good luck. <laughs> um so that seems kind of cynical but the reality is sometimes life just has to get you to that point where this hard-charging masculine energy calms down at the point you're like okay there's something more so that doesn't have to be the case but unfortunately for a lot of men that happens to be the case and for women you know society will tell you hey you're beautiful and again outward achievement is a lot of times related mm-hmm. to beauty and there's nothing wrong with that right but if that's all there ever is and you never get that inside beauty so i would say it's going to be a challenge if you're in your 20s and you're able to have these conversations and think about these things you're already down the path of the one percent because it's just mm-hmm. unusual for a 20 to 30 year old to be thinking about these things because they're still in that achievement level and trying to but if you're able to do that the, the one thing i would say is do the inner work now um to understand you know again deeper than mindset mindset's great but it's a personal development stuff and make yourself the bigger you can become emotionally and spiritually, the more you're going to able to withstand and deal with what life is going to throw at you. And then you'll be able to have the success and uh, deal with it. And uh, so I would just say that's that's the advice I would tell him is always do the work mm-hmm. and become the best version of yourself because um, the world will tell you you've got to have something to feel it. Right. You have that shiny red car. You have to have the relationship to feel either love or achievement. But the real, the, the truth is it's be, do, and then have. So be love. Mm-hmm. Be the example of love. Love yourself. Be connected to God and have enough healthy self-love. Then you can be in a good relationship. You can have no money in the bank, and you can feel achievement. Um, so I would encourage anybody who's young to understand be, do, have. So mm-hmm. if you be those things, um, Then, you know, you will do the things that it takes to create those, and then you will have whatever you want. So it's be, do, have, and uh, centering in on those feelings and not thinking you've got to have the external thing to make you feel whatever you're looking for, be it a relationship, be it health in your, you know, your body or your relationships. You can have those feelings. Any one of us right now can take a deep breath, close our eyes, and get in a state to where we can feel wholeness, wellness, abundance, even if we had cancer, even if we had no money in the bank, and the more and that, you know, this, the secret and this law of attraction is beautiful, but it's not just the thought. The thought is one thing, but it's that emotion mm. and tapping in that emotion that draws it to you. So that's what I would tell them is become very good at feeling those emotions, tapping into that, because those things will show up in your life. And when they do, you won't self-sabotage. You won't try and get rid of them because you feel worthy of it and you're going to go do something good with it. The Mm -hmm. money you're making, you're going to use as a vehicle to go whatever your why is, whether it's, you know, like Tony feeding America or, you know, whatever you want to do with your business success, whatever church or charity or your family, there's beautiful things tied to that abundance and that wealth. And so you're going to feel more filled up and more um, fulfilled by doing those things. And you're naturally just going to want to do more and get more and, this source of abundance that has no limit will continue to pour into you mm-hmm. um, because you're now a, a, an instrument and you're a path for that abundance to show up in the world. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love that. What's Dave's next?
2: <laughs> um, I um, I had a beautiful uh, editor come to me and she read the book and she's like, I love this book. Can I tweak it? And I said yes. Yeah. So she's, I got a, a better. It's the same book, but it, she's tweaked it. So I'm getting that out and then really launching that and the coaching behind that. Um, The second book that I've already got outlined is called Religious Refugees. I want to get that out. Um, Again, speaking to maybe people who've had spiritual injury. um, I want to speak to those folks. And then just doing more of that. I'm still very active in the business and consulting space, Mm -hmm. which I love. Um, The clients I work with are amazing. Uh, My youngest, he's two years out of graduating. So uh, once I get him out of high school, Um, I spot a lake house, but I'll add a a beach house and a a place in the mountains and do some more traveling, more coaching, uh, more writing, do more podcasts with amazing people, more events, and just um, doing more of what I'm doing now. Love it.
3: Can you share a little bit about your mentoring program if people want to reach out or learn more about you and um, how can they start that process with you?
2: Yeah, you can go to my website, uh, uh, dave-lundgren.com. um yeah you can when i got the book there's a, a course that kind of outlines the book a little bit deeper and then yeah i have clients that i work with one-on-one um in the business world sometimes it's just straight up business consulting mm-hmm. but a lot of times it turns into something more than that so yeah reach out you can schedule it right off of that website um and i still do take on uh, one-on-one uh private clients and uh, enjoy that work very much
3: awesome well we'll put the, all that in the show notes and the link to your website and um any social media accounts, we'll put all that in there. And so we appreciate you doing this today. And uh, it was, uh, I knew this would be good. Yes. And I knew, uh, and Brought so I was looking forward to it. Yeah, I was looking forward to it. So we appreciate it. And I think this is all a message that, especially in today's mm-hmm. world, that people need to hear more and more. And um, no matter what, where they're at in life, it, it's something that we can all work on and, and improve on. So I uh, appreciate you and appreciate you giving and, and giving back.
2: So. I'm so glad I appreciate the invite, you guys. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you, Dave. And we will see everyone next week. See ya.
2: Bye bye. All right. Take care. Thanks, guys.
0: You've been listening to Inside the Wolf's Den, an entrepreneurial journey with Sean and Joni Wolfswinkle. Tons of entrepreneurial podcasts are out there talking. Talk, talk, talking. But Joni and Sean are living it every single day. Their portfolio now includes many franchises and medium-sized businesses. We talk about the trials and motivators of successfully running a business. Join us again soon for another podcast. But until then, reach out on the website at insidethewolfsden.com on Facebook at Den. On Instagram at Inside the Wolf Den. We'll see you again soon. This is Inside the Wolf's Den. We'll see you next time.